Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. Right now, I am deep in the bowels of Rogers Arena with two members of a band called The Naked and Famous. Behind us is somebody doing a sound check. Guys, I would love it if you could introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Elisa. And I'm Aaron. What do you do in the band? I sing and hit things with my hands. <laughs> uh, I also hit things with my hands and run all the electronics and uh, produce with Tom. How's your day going? Yeah, good. I mean, we're all feeling like the residual pangs of an extremely long travel day. We were in the two of us for about 20 hours, and um, it should have been a 10-hour journey. But anyway, Aaron and I, Aaron and I were up really early doing press duties. So um, we're good, though. We're good. Having fun. So you guys are from New Zealand. I bet you guys often get confused for Australians. What's an easy way to tell the two apart? They say six, and we say six. <laughs> yeah, she, she got it. That's it. <laughs> but what word was she trying to say? Six. The thing that comes after five. Okay. All right, I thought I'd clear that up in case anyone was confused, because I was a little... All right, so we're going to play a Naked and Famous song. Is it Naked and Famous or The Naked and Famous? Chuck a that in the front and you've got it. Okay. We're going to listen to a The Naked and Famous track. We're going to listen to Hearts Like Ours. I'd love it if you guys could do a brief intro. So I felt like I was in a huge writing slump. And from that negative kind of experience going on in my head uh, um, came Hearts Like Ours.
Review Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Hearts Like Ours off the Naked and Famous's record in Rolling Waves. That's their second record. I've got two members of the band here with me. All right, Elisa, you talked a bit about the track going in. I would love it if the other member could talk about it going out. Uh, interesting fact, the music video we did for Hearts Like Ours, we actually did at our house that the whole band was living in in LA during uh, 2012 and 13 when we wrote in Rolling Waves. So if you watch the music video, you can see where we lived. You come from New Zealand, you move to Los Angeles. A lot of bands who come from Australia or New Zealand are often faced with moving to the States or moving to the UK. You guys made the choice for the States. I'd love you to talk me through that a little bit. It's simple, Scott. There's sunshine every day, and it's summertime pretty much every day. It helps. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it just it sort of made sense for us at the time when we came off uh, tour. We'd done a lot of U.S. touring, and uh, there was a lot of stuff kind of going on, on on radio for us here as well, and it just sort of made sense uh, in terms, of, like, geographically. It was kind of one trip over to the U.K. and, you know, a, a short flight down to New Zealand as well rather than, if we did choose London, which was kind of on the cards at one point, it's a pretty long journey between London and uh, home. So right now we're in Rogers Arena. You guys are just starting a stadium tour with Imagine Dragons, who are arguably the biggest pop rock band right now. I would love you guys to talk a little bit about making your show arena ready. Well, uh, it's still kind of all coming together right now because, yeah, I mean, w- arenas are sort of a new thing for us. Uh, up until now, we've just done, you know, all our own headline shows have sort of been in the, the, the slightly smaller venue size. Um, but we're really big on always putting as much live production together as we can and really go all out on our uh, our, our lighting and visual elements and, and, you know, just making the entire performances great as it can sound and as visually impressive as it can be as well. And I bet... They are all awesome, but I would love a specific example about you guys scaling your show from a smaller venue to an arena. We're so sorted with our live show that we didn't have to change a thing. Take that. (laughs) And also, we're supporting Imagine Dragons, so it's not like we can do, like, fireworks and confetti machines or anything like that. So it's actually still of the same kind of framework that we would usually have if we played our own shows. Our lighting guy, however, has managed to... uh, he's slowly taking over more and more of Imagine Dragons lighting rig with each show we do so hopefully by the end of it maybe our lights might be equally as big as theirs so you're spending a lot of time around Imagine Dragons on this tour what's one decision they've made in their career that has worked out great for them that would not work for the naked and famous you know what I don't know if I know enough about them to be able to answer that properly wow 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 that would not work for the naked and famous um, lots of drum percussion on stage. A lot of drums. I don't think that would work for us. We haven't got enough hands to do it.
You just heard Youngblood off the record Passive Me, Aggressive You by a band called The Naked and Famous. I've got two members of the band here with me. I'd love it if you guys could talk about this track. Youngblood, that track did a lot of stuff for us. <laughs> that one, uh, it was it kind of came about 2009 and we didn't really have too much expectation for it at that point. We kind of thought, you know, we were still in New Zealand, kind of living in our parents' houses and stuff, and, and thought, oh, yeah, this, should, uh, this, this might do some cool stuff on college radio, that sort of thing. And um, little did we know it then sort of debuted number one on the New Zealand charts, and then from that got released on a, uh, a, a cool label in New York called Neon Gold, and all this international attention sort of showed up, and then record deals started happening, and big tours started getting lined up, and things just sort of kept exploding for us until we, uh, well, he- here we are today in an arena uh, about to play to, what, what is it, 16,000 people tonight, I think. <laughs> So the lead singer of Blur, talking about Song 9, the Woohoo song, said, looking back on that track, that, wow, you only get one of those in your life, so treasure it. How do you guys feel about Youngblood? That, that could be it. I don't, I don't know. Well, I think, I, I think I've got another five more albums in me, so who knows? The Naked and Famous, it's such a provocative and catchy name. I would love it if you guys could tell me about the story behind that. It was a line taken from a, an artist called Tricky that we were all massive, massive fans of when we were sort of forming in the early stages back in what, like 2000 and 
eight, two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was very fitting for us at the time. Kind of our approach to certain things about the like the the, the pop celebrity world and and how it associates to a lot of music these days. And um, yeah, it stuck. I'm gonna imagine you guys were teens or just on your verge of your twenties when you were going through your tricky phase. What things in Tricky's music resonated with you guys as music fans and music makers? I think. I think Tricky was able to capture that kind of perfect balance between masculine and feminine and that was something that Tom and I really identified with because when we first started making music together we weren't really quite sure how we were going to conceive this project, what kind of music we were going to make and it kind of, it totally made sense listening to Tricky. Female singers, there's electronic elements, it's dreamy, it's beat oriented, It's it was so many things to us at the time. and um. It was kind of a monumental moment for the for the inception of the Naked and Famous. So, Elisa, you guys don't like to write about your personal relationships in your songs. Would that be correct? I think that's quite black and white way of saying it. I think that I write about everything. Everything stems from a very personal place. Um, and then it kind of morphs and you write lots of drafts and it changes and it might the meaning might change but generally at the very core of each song it comes from a very personal place i've read that you guys write down a lot of ideas wherever you are so i'm hoping you can talk about the last time inspiration struck and you wrote something down in your journals or however you keep your music ideas no i was just gonna say uh yeah, well, no, I mean, even just something more recently, uh, Tom just sent through, like, a, a really basic uh, demo the other day, and um, it was actually kind of like a restructure of a song that was floating around from when we wrote the second album, and I don't know, when inspiration hits, something kind of just happens right then and there, and I, like, when he sent that through, I just instantly was like, oh, I, I know a synth line that could work on that, and just emailed the MP3 straight back to him and was like, yeah, I, I put something over the top, and then away it went. I think that the key for moments like that is just having the time to be bored I think when you're bored lots of things can happen (laughs) so you guys were stir crazy in a van for 20 hours yesterday what ideas came Uh, my main idea of yesterday was how good it's going to be to step off the bus and then get into a bed and fall asleep for 4 or 5 hours before we get up haha but you have to do this interview instead (laughs) yeah exactly
show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Punching in a Dream, Off the Record, Passive Me, Aggressive You, by a band called The Naked and Famous. I've got two members of the band here with me. I'd love it if somebody could talk about this one. That one, Punching in a Dream, was so close to almost not making it on that first record. It was the very last straggler out of all the songs we had, and we were pushing so hard to get it uh, get it done on track in the studio. There was... There was a lot of fuss over that one, eh? It, it took a little while, but it did, it did great things. We, we're glad we got there. Yep. <laughs> so succinct. I love it. All right, you guys, your music has been licensed and placed in a lot of places. This song in particular, I would love it if you could tell me about the weirdest offer you've gotten for your music to play it in a TV, movie, film, commercial, video game, etc., etc. Well, if it's that weird, we'd be we'd say, ah, sorry, no, sorry, we're not going to let you use it because it's too weird. Okay, second most weird. What was that one? What was? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember right now. There was something the tube fish paste the tube that people eat in Poland. Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, there you go. For a food product, which basically it, look, it looks like a um a tube of toothpaste, but instead of being toothpaste, it was like fish paste. And apparently lots of people in Poland eat this fish paste. Um, so they put it on bread? I, I, I assume so. Not sure. Not sure. The ad itself was pretty cool from memory. I'm not so sure if I would take that tube and squeeze it into my mouth or not. All right, so Enrolling Waves is your new record, and you've said that Passive Me, Aggressive You was a big learning experience. So I'd love a concrete example from each of you about writing for the new record talking about a lesson that you learned on the first record. Wait, I think I got a good one for this. Okay. So, while we were writing Passive Me, Aggressive You, when, when that had finished and the prospect of touring came um, as an opportunity to us, one of the first live radio performances we ever did was the KCRW um, video performance of Young Blood. If you look at that to where we are now, you'll be able to see, like the huge, huge amount of change in our persons in the way we carry ourselves and the way I sing. Um, I think that we toured Passive Me Aggressive You so much, we just got better at playing our instruments, got to learn the live experience of what works and what doesn't work in songs, and we kind of like accumulated all these things that compounded on top of each other and applied it to Enrolling Waves. So, Aaron, you do the programming for the band. What's one thing you've done on the current record that you couldn't have even conceived of doing on the first record? Well, our, uh, our live stage now is a pretty intense uh, mess of a million MIDI cables and uh, every other electronic piece of equipment known to man to, to kind of put the show together. Um, so we've definitely done some pretty massive leaps uh, in terms of our live setup compared to where we were at for the, the first time around. We're always sort of thinking one step ahead in terms of when the song's been written, we're always thinking, well, if this is going to go on the song, how are we then going to be able to do it live on a stage? Because, um, you know, there's no backing tracks or anything like that going on. So that's it's a pretty big part of the process for us. And it's something we're always, yeah, always really focused on. So Tom from the band, I've read, is the boss. If he's the boss in the band, what is your guys' roles? Tom is like the all-seeing eye, like he you know, likes to keep an eye on every single part of the process, gets right in there with the drums, gets right in there with Elisa writing lyrics, and then uh, side by side with me doing electronic production and that sort of thing. But yeah, we've got quite a strong dynamic going where every person sort of brings their own little like, dynamic to the table. Tom, Aaron and I are kind of like the trifecta of the Naked and Famous, and 
David and Jesse kind of fill in the gaps everywhere else. Would Tom be happy you just described him as Sauron from The Lord of the Rings? Sauron. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Oh, maybe. I don't know. He might be into it. All right. You're on tour right now. That means that your life is currently in a suitcase. What's the weirdest object you've brought with you that's in the suitcase wow. right now? Right now? Well, I just took it out of the suitcase because it was actually leaking. But uh, where's this going to go, I wonder? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, near, near, to our, near to my house in L.A., there's this amazing Mexican restaurant, and they make their own little habanero chili sauce jar, and it's really intense. It looks kind of harmless, though, so like people quite often dip their fingers in and go, oh, yeah, that's a Whoa! Um, so that just came out. And also my uh, a big jar of manuka honey from New Zealand that uh, I... I'm quite a big fan of and like to top up on whenever we go home. This guy likes his food. Yep. I've got nothing interesting for your uh, podcast other than lots of shoes. I really like shoes. Great. So I'm the guy that likes chili and honey, is it? So far, yes. <laughs> and is tired in a big grouchy in interviews. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I have these amazing pair of gold-heeled boots from opening ceremony and because a lot of the time we wear black it's like the one little thing you can see in my feet twinkle toes all right guys last question to the naked and famous when you're tired and you don't want to answer questions but you're faced with doing an interview with a nerdy interview guy what's one tip for that nerdy interview guy to get a good interview with the naked and famous I think you aced it as soon as you told us that we have to stand up for this interview instead of, instead of sit down. Because if I was sitting right now, I could be about twice as sleepy. So, yeah, spot on. But you might have nodded off during the interview. Exactly. That's why you did it. You've, you've done everything right. Oh, thanks, Aaron. I appreciate that. <laughs> you nailed it. All right. At the end of the show, I love the two members that I have here of The Naked and famous to pick one of their tracks and talk a bit about it as I bring that up. I'll talk about a single actually, I Kill Giants. That song was written kind of towards the end of the Passive Me Aggressive You era and it was kind of on the back burner. It's a song about when I lost my mum when I was seven years old, so it's a very special song to me and Tom really pushed me to finish it. He knew it was something I've always wanted to write about and I think. I'm glad that he did, and I'm really glad it's on in Rolling Waves, and I'm so happy for my family to hear it, but it's just one of those things that once you create it, it needs to be, to be released, and I just feel really cathartic about that whole thing. I kill giants. Thanks for being on my show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Scott.